I think of fear as kind of opportunity, you know, sitting with myself when I have a moment of fear of like, oh my gosh, should I be doing this? Should I, you know, maybe I should just cancel everything, stop the business, pull out way too far. I've had those moments and I have them pretty regularly. I think most entrepreneurs do, but it's what you do with that. And I don't sit in it and I don't, you know, pontificate or let it sit there and go over my brain. I say, okay, I ask myself, sit quietly. What is it that you're afraid of? Welcome to Elevate Your Career, the podcast dedicated to empowering individuals from all walks of life as they navigate the ever-changing landscape of their chosen fields. In this show, we'll be bringing on a diverse range of professionals from various career stages to uncover the secrets behind achieving success in any industry. We'll explore how they achieve their career goals and the path they took to get there. Your host is none other than Nicole McMacken. CEO of the Irvine Technology Corporation, ITC, an award-winning information technology solutions and staffing provider. Now let's get to the show. If you have ever thought about opening your own business, or if you are a stay-at-home parent and fearful about taking a long gap in your career and entering back into the workforce, this podcast, you do not want to miss. Nicolette Myers, will be sharing with us how a little bit of fearlessness and her curiosity led her to become a well-known entrepreneur of Lucia, the children's equestrian clothing brand. Nikki will divulge how she balances her personal life while starting a retail company and how she resets herself each and every day. She has some great resources she will recommend for future entrepreneurs out there and how these podcasts books have helped guide her along the way. Nikki, welcome to today's show. I met Nikki several years ago and have been in awe of her creative mind and ability to start up a viable children's equestrian clothing line with her middle school daughter, nonetheless. Layla, correct, Nikki? Yes, yes. Her name is Layla. When you guys started the clothing line, how old was she? Oh gosh, we started this five years ago now when we moved to California. And at the time she was nine, but actually that was more the idea phase. And then when she was 10, kind of started getting more active and more real where the vision was becoming an actual thing that we wanted to move forward with. But actually it was probably year 2020, uh, right around COVID that we were full into design sampling mode. And then we just launched a year and a half ago in May. Super. So I have been waiting for this podcast for months. I am super excited to speak with you because I get questioned all the time, you know, how can you transition and how do women transition from being away from the workforce, right? Potentially raising children or or whatever the case, away from the workforce and then get back involved. And so I've been really looking forward to our podcast today and all of the great takeaways that I know that we're going to have. But I first, I start off all the podcasts with a fun fact. Would you share with us and our listeners one fun fact about yourself? Sure, absolutely. I think the funnest fact I have is that I grew up in a small farm, farming community in Illinois, population 1300, no stoplights. And I graduated with 38 in my senior high school class. Oh my God. Now that is small. I think uh, I graduated from Chatsworth High and I think there were 900 in my graduating class, 900, maybe more. 
So I was the first in my family to actually graduate college and attend college. Uh, my parents didn't go. My brother went to junior college. My family is actually a third generation farming family. So I didn't grow up on the farm, but we lived in town, which was just five minutes from the farm. But it was super interesting because I had that lifestyle. But I also think that the entrepreneurship kind of in my brain has always been there as a seed because my dad, obviously, being a farmer, is entrepreneurial, and his dad and my grandpa, and now my brother is taking that over. And also, I witnessed my mom, uh, she had a carpet business in the small town that we grew up as well. So I was kind of surrounded by entrepreneurship, and I think, you know, my brother is now taking over the family farm. And I think that just kind of, even though I went the direct path of college and climbing the corporate rat ladder early on, I think in the back of my brain, it was always like a little planted seed that I wanted to own my own business. I wanted to run my own business, but I just didn't know what it was going to be or what the idea was going to, what was going to come to me that I actually wanted to do. I just knew that I didn't want to be a farmer and I didn't want to run like a small business in my small town. I just had a lot bigger ideas in my brain, a lot, just kind of, I wanted to grow. I kind of wanted to evolve. I wanted to see what was out there. And so I think college gave me that path. And then also my early career days, just kind of jumping around, doing multitude of different career paths kind of helped me kind of solidify in the end of the point of where I decided to start Lucia. So talk to me a little bit. You're in a small town realizing, okay, I'm not going to follow the family path of the farm industry. You decide I'm going away to college. I'm going to be the first in my family to do so. You get through college and now what? So talk to us a little bit. And I think from my understanding of your story, you've had two successful businesses. Is that correct? Correct. Um, yes. My husband and I early on in our marriage uh, were owners of a con contracting business. To go to your question, right out of college, I got my degree in math and computer science. Um, no idea why I chose those other than I knew computers and AI wasn't even called AI at the time, but just technology was going to be the future. So I figured I'm going to train in that during college. So I actually know what's coming in my future. And then math was just, I kind of was naturally good at it. Um, decent. Everybody else was failing out of math. So I'm like, well, I'm actually doing pretty well. I might as well stick with math. So that's kind of how I, my trajectory of my college journey went. And then I graduated, I worked in IT, started out information technology and computer programming. And, you know, I did that for a while, surrounded by men in the workforce. So if we ever get into the topic of what it's like to be a female working in a male-dominated industry, that was my first 10 to 15 years of career path. It was uh, IT. I moved into some financial analysis. I worked for, I did some operations management. I did IT sales. I was the actual technical sales rep that would kind of come along with the salesperson and do all the technical demos. I hopped around a lot. I probably was, and it was big six firms. It was big corporations. I kind of, when I look back at my history and I kind of reflect, I realized what I was doing was trying to get a lot of information, a lot of knowledge in the fastest amount of time. Once I was working somewhere and kind of understood what I was doing and kind of understood the ins and outs of that particular industry or business or sector of business, I was like, okay, I'm kind of bored, you know, in a way, like, let's try something new. And so I went from learning how to build the backend computer systems and programming and actually developing the software systems that, you know, big corporations run on to being the analysis that number crunched all of the data in the entire industry and helped make decisions with the CEOs on, oh, this is where we're falling short. 
with um, margins or revenue. This is where we're doing well. And how can we take these numbers and kind of slice and dice and, and maneuver them and analyze them so that we can say, hey, let's we can put more energy here and be more profitable, or we should take energy away from this area because it's not doing well. So it's a piece of that at part as well. And in, in one of my 10 years of working for the big six um, operations, learned about marketing and sales when I was obviously in the IT sales role, traveling, working with the sales rep. I was the demonstration and set up the, the technical software and worked with CEOs at some of the biggest, some of the largest, what do you call them, credit card companies that we have today working directly with the CEO, giving him a demonstration on our software. If you don't understand what nervous is, that was nervous. Like if my software broke and the CEO is watching my demonstration, he's going to be like, if you can't even, you know, demonstrate for me, how am I going to trust your software? Right. So that was really big. And I remember the owners of the company at the time and the, the business unit leads kind of congratulating me how well we did. We actually got the account. And just looking back on all that experience, it was fun. And I learned a lot. But I also kept on moving based upon what I wanted to learn next. Back in those days, I remember meeting Michael back when I was doing my husband right now at the time. Uh, and met him in those days of doing the IT technical demonstrations and traveling. I got pregnant with my first child pretty early in the marriage. And it was kind of, I was faced with, oh, okay, you know, I don't know if I can travel. I don't know if I can have this big job. My husband has a big job. And we have to kind of figure out here who's going to raise this child. That was very important to us. I took a step back in my career, became the mom at home, raising our child. Thought that was important to me. I wanted to be the one that was home with, with him, with my son, Cal, now who's my oldest. And um, so we shifted a little bit from a dual income family to a single income family. We were both doing well in our careers and we had to kind of face, all right, less income. Neither one of us, you know, we both paid our own way through school. So here we are now early marriage, having a child and our incomes basically cut in half. And I remember going through those days that were very hard and kind of leads into your question about the business Michael and I own together, which at that time merged into in the next three years, um, we owned the castle contracting business together. It was super like kind of blurry right now. But when I look back and reflect, they were hard times, right? You know, you're putting all of your money back into the business. You're paying yourself very little. You believe in your business so much. Michael and I did. And we had two other partners that were a married couple within the business with us. There were four of us making decisions together. My role was not as active in that particular company as Michael's was. And as the other couples were, but my role was uh, extremely important. I know Michael has told me today as kind of the soundboard and the supportive role behind the scenes, I still had to obviously raise the kids. And at this point we had two more. So I have now three children under the age of maybe six, seven, and one of them special needs. My middle child at the time, we went through five years of very special needs, intense rotation diets, severe eczema, food allergies to everything. So I was focused on that while we had this business we're running, our income's cut in half, and we have three children under the age of five. So very, very hard times. But, you know, what got us through is positive attitude, trust in each other, respect for each other. You know, wouldn't be truthful to say that there weren't very hard times, but there certainly were. Those times I certainly can reflect back on and see that those were stepping stones into where we are today. So interesting. I was going to I was going to say to you a little bit earlier in listening your story. As I interview more and more people and have additional people on our podcast, there's a common theme. There's a common trend for people who are very successful and it's in one word could be summed up it's curiosity. You have from my observation of you through, you know, a couple of years that we've known each other, you're a curious mind. Sometimes 
I can see through your story, you're doing some things that are fearful, right? You're leaving your family business. You're going to college. You're graduating. First of all, you talk about STEM, right? I mean, I think there's 32%, it's 32 to 36% of young girls now are in STEM. And I can't even imagine what the ratio was like when you were going through it, right? And you were working in technology and working for these big six companies. That's a big deal, Nikki. And putting yourself out there, getting married, taking a step back, raising your children, and then getting involved in another business. Your curiosity has led you to be very successful, including what you're doing now. So so talk to us a little bit. It sounds like three beautiful children um, middle child, special needs, uh, getting your children through that. How did you make it out to California? Because you were based in the Midwest, correct? Correct. We were based in St. Louis, Missouri. To your point about curiosity, 100%. I think that suits me 100% my word. Um, I think the fear is real. Like, how did I and why did I have the confidence or was I willing to take the risk of going to college, paying my own way, not knowing what was going to come out of it? That's a lot of money, right? You know, and then getting a job and having the confidence to stick with that. I always tell people um, when I look back, I I feel like there's two ways to, that two internal motivations. So there's probably more, but I kind of sum it up to you're either running away from something or you're running towards something. And in life, like all through kind of when you look at an, an energy within and my husband, and I often talk about this, he was running more towards something because we talk about it. And he's like, no, I was running. I had a goal. I had a vision. I knew where I wanted to be. I materialized it. I manifested it. And it happens like all through his life. That's just kind of how he he works. Me personally, I was running away kind of from something. It was like I was it was this, I was raised in a small town, which I love. I would love to raise my kids in a small town. There's something very safe about that. Everybody knew everyone. It's this huge village community. Everybody looks after one another. But I did feel like I grew out of it pretty quickly, more so than my my peers. And also the farming life, it wasn't for me, maybe because I grew up in it. And I was kind of, I had mentioned before, I got kind of bored easily. Or once I understood something, I wanted to learn something new. Um, but I just knew I wasn't going to be in that small town. So I wanted to move away from that. When you talk about fear and risk and uh, curiosity, all that comes into play because there was nothing to go back to, but there was no risk in it because anything out there to me was better than where I was coming from. It was it was sure. moving the needle forward. It was progress. And so it was exciting to me. I wanted to see what was out there. You know, I wanted to see what I could do with with my brain, with my talent, with just my energy. And I just wanted it to be my own. And so self-driven starter, just everything was on my own. And in fact, a lot of times my parents were kind of questioning my decisions like, oh, you know, you want to go to college? Like, well, that's so expensive. You know, we don't really do that. And a lot of us in the small town, we never did that. We didn't need it. We have this business. Why do you need that? You know? And so it was just trying to convince them that, you know, I don't know, but this, I just know that I want to, I want to move towards that. And I trusted that. And I kind of continued to do that. So that's kind of, I think what what started it really, really young, you know, so I was like 17 and knew that. And then I think that just stuck with me. And of course it feeds itself, right? When you encounter more success or more exciting things in your life, you just kind of keep going with that momentum and keep going with that mindset of, oh, well, I'm just very curious. What would it be like to have a job or have a position in a marketing uh, firm, marketing position of a firm? And so I would go after it and use my skills to get that job. Oh, well, what would it be like? Now I, I would really want to understand um, the financial side of things because I really didn't know credits, de debits, positives, margins, all those things. So let me go get a job in that. I'll get paid for that while I'm learning it. 
And so I think in my brain, it was like, I didn't have a lot of money to just go get an MBA. I never did get an MBA. My husband doesn't have an MBA. We learn everything by experience. And I figured, well, you know, I don't have money to go get an MBA. I don't have the time, but if I could work in these jobs and these positions and learn in within that to me is a really good experience, probably the same of getting an MBA, if not better. And I think what I've learned and my husband as well, we're both, you know, huge proponents of you don't need the MBA. I mean, some people say you do, and there's probably a great value in having that, that expertise, but we've learned when we talk about our castle days, you had mentioned back when, you know, we bought that business together and we had it for several years. That was our MBA. You know, we we learned all the ins and outs of, um, you know, getting a basically a master's in business administration just by doing it live and by doing it with our own money and taking our own risk. And, um, you know, it was, it was scary, right? All this money you're putting on the line, but it was also rewarding when it was rewarding. And, you know, it became, you know, it, castle became such a, the, the way that it was developed and designed and progressed, it became even sought after by big companies. We ended up getting purchased by a huge company, which, what to your early question, didn't want to lose sight of that, is how we ended up in California five years ago. You know, the larger company bought Castle and, you know, Michael stayed with it for a few years to kind of help run it and keep the margins where they wanted it to be and make it successful. And then uh, we had an opportunity to come out to, to um, California that was presented to us. And it was obviously a phenomenal opportunity and beautiful in California. We came out to visit. We had never been to California, neither one of us. I mean, that's how we worked all of our lives. We didn't, we didn't travel. We didn't have money to spend on traveling if it was outside of our state, you know? So um, we came to make, we did one visit here and saw Orange County and the coast. And I just remember saying to Michael, I'm like, you think, I mean, we can live here like this, like people live like this, like this is (laughs) People have houses and beautiful communities like this on the ocean. Like, look, this is right. We could like go to the ocean on the weekend. Like, this was just to me like a dream. Like, it just existed on TV. Like, it just was not something that was within our grasp. And he's like, Yeah, it's pretty nice, isn't it? You know, and so that's when we went back home after that visit. It was just vivid, right? And I had these three kids. We had a fourth grade, a fifth grade, and an eighth grader. Super tough time to move them across the country and tear them away from all the friends, all the people they know. I was already connected to all the little schools in my area. You know, I knew people, I knew the sports, I knew the coaches. And it was just saying no to like basically saying, oh, we're going to move to California and all that'll disappear. It was very scary. Oh, I bet. Here it comes in again. It was like, what do we do? And it wasn't like a slam dunk decision, but Michael and I sat together for, I think, you know, a week or so. It was a very short time that we had to give a response. Obviously we decided to move to California. But um, but there were many days I still questioned if that was the right decision. You know, it took about a year or so to settle in and for the kids to find their people and their sports and all that. And once we did, they would never, they never look back. They love it. He obviously lifestyle is great. And so, you know, you're kind of like, oh, thank goodness we did the right thing. You know, my kids come first through all this, right? Like, I mean, it, they're my number one, like businesses and finances and money and all this is important. But at the end of the day, I got to make sure that I'm emotionally connected to them and that they're doing well emotionally. And if they're not going to do well emotionally, I'm not going to do well well emotionally, which means my husband's not going to do well emotionally, which means the house of cards falls. 100% agree. As a mom of two, I, when they're hurting, I'm hurting. So 100% agree with, with that. And, and it was, again, another demonstration of, you know, fearlessness and both you and Michael taking that leap and moving across the country and you're uprooting your family, right? So there's, there's a pattern here. Are you enjoying the episode thus far? We'll be right back after a quick word with our sponsor, Irvine Technology Corporation, 
ITC. Are you ready to thrive in the ever-evolving tech industry? The tech world is constantly changing, and ITC is your partner for navigating it successfully. Whether you're seeking top-tier tech professionals or the perfect opportunity, we are happy to connect you with talent to transform your business. At ITC, we specialize in placing first-rate, diverse technology talent into corporations with a particular focus on underrepresented groups in tech. We believe in bringing new perspectives and ideas to your team. Together, we can contribute to a more innovative technology industry. Diversity isn't just a buzzword for us, it's in our DNA. Whether you're looking at bringing on more tech talent or you're a tech professional searching for your perfect role and employer, look no further. Take a look at www.irvinetechcorp.com and pick the best option for you. Be part of our mission to create a more inclusive and innovative technology industry. Once again, it's www.irvinetechcorp.com. Now back to the show. Your children now, I know you have one in college. You've got uh, uh, two high schoolers, right? That's correct. You decided, okay, they're... I remember speaking with you, gosh, some time ago and, and saying, I want to do something with my daughter, create a business. And it sounds like you really, to your to your words, right, got your MBA at Castle, at your previous company. And so you had the know-how and what you needed to do and the grit to be able to start. And then really what I loved and I thought was so special is that you brought along your daughter, right, as an equal partner and a contributor, which is so phenomenal. Tell us a little bit about that. Tell us why you started the business. And then I have a few questions for you just in regards to how that all came into play, lessons learned, all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Layla was 100% my inspiration for this idea for the apparel company for children's equestrian uh, performance wear. It's breeches, base layers. She started riding, uh, the first week we moved to California. I was, I, you know, we hit the ground running, got her into horseback lessons. She loved it. She was, you know, connected immediately within a year. We're buying a pony. She's riding three times a week, right? That's the, um, the joy of the equestrian world. I love it. We were a part of that for about a year when I realized we did not have a lot of options to purchase for, um, clothing for her to wear. I was kind of piecemealing it with different brands, you know, Nike, Under Armour, stuff like this. There was a couple brands out there, but wasn't wasn't a lot to purchase to, to choose from. And a lot of them just weren't her style. They were too rainbowy and hearts and flowers for kids. And she wanted to look professional, more like her trainers. So um, you know, I think when I think you had asked before, someone someone had asked me before, like what made you decide to go? What was this idea? How did it go? What what made you start it? And I look back and I think it was more of a timing also, because when I look back at my history of all the things we've done, you know, the castle MBA, you know, by experience, plus all the positions I've held within corporations, I always knew I was going to do something. I kind of said that at the beginning, I always knew there's a planted a seed of something. My husband will tell you, I used to invent things. I'm like, I'm going to invent this pillow that when I sleep on it, it's not gonna hurt my neck. Like, and so I was getting these prototypes. Like, I mean, this was when my kids were young. I'm like, I'm doing this on the side. Like I'm going to have an invention of something. I'm going to be an inventor, you know? So it was just the seed that was always there. The timing was never spot on, right? I had special needs child for five years. He's good now. And then, you know, and then we're we're owning Castle. That's not a good time for me to start a business. We sell Castle. We moved to California. Not a good time, right? I'm getting the kids in their schools. I'm trying to get them acclimated with sports, trying to find the doctors and, the, and you know, all the things. 
And so I think it was just, it was just like perfect stars align moment, almost like a God moment. I say I'm spiritual and I'm like, it was like a God moment. Like I'm sitting at the arena and I'm frustrated with clothing. She's taking off in her sport and she wants certain things to wear, but we can't find them. And I'm like, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to start an apparel line, you know, kind of to my history. I've never done apparel. I don't know the first thing about apparel. I've never designed a thing. I don't know how to sew. I don't know the first thing about apparel. Why choose apparel, right? Yeah, why? Why can't I use something I have an expertise in, right? Like I take. Exactly. And that's your curious mind, right? You dive right into it. You say, this is what I'm going to do. I have my calling now. It's going to be apparel. Yes, exactly. Then you dive down and you start figuring it out, right? I remember having discussions with you about where am I going to manufacture? I want to manufacture in the US or should I do overseas or the price points? And and I'm looking at you and you are running a mile a minute. (laughs) It was quite incredible. And the lack of fear, right, in doing so. And many, many people in general, and maybe you could speak to this, right? I have fear around not only their next step in life or taking on a new job, but let alone branching out and starting a new company. What what words of advice would you give those people, right? Because you've done it throughout your life, right? From, from leaving your small town yes. is where it started. So what advice would you give? It's a great question. Um, I don't remember having fear in my younger years. And I think that's the glory of being, you know, teenager, young 20s, maybe even, you know, mid 20s. At least I don't remember ever feeling super fearful. Maybe some of the interviews I had with the big six, I would walk in and think, oh my gosh, I hope I do well. But that was more of just excitement fear. But yeah, true fear comes into play when you've you've got your own dollar on the line and you know you're spending, you're investing, right? You're investing a ton of money. And it takes a lot of money to start a business. I mean, depending on the business, but but this one did. And so um calculating that risk, right? And so I think for me, I'm not a risk taker. I'm kind of more of a slow, like, let's figure this out, let's get feedback. Let's make sure this is right. Then let's do some more, you know, now this is probably where my husband and I balance each other out. He's more of the risk taker. Oh, go, go in, just go for it, go big, you know? And I'm like, eh, you know, I'm not sure. So me starting this apparel business, it was more just kind of doing it my way. I had to take it the steps I needed to. And not only that, my kids are still my first priority. So this was a business I was apparently doing on the side, so to speak, while raising my kids, while driving them to school, while being there during their teenage years. I think of fear as kind of opportunity, you know, sitting with myself when I have a moment of fear of like, oh my gosh, should I be doing this? Should I, you know, maybe I should just cancel everything, stop the business, pull out way too far. I've had those moments and I have them pretty regularly. I think most entrepreneurs do, but it's what you do with that. And I don't sit in it and I don't, you know, pontificate or let it sit there and go over in my brain. I say, okay, I ask myself, sit quietly. What is it that you're afraid of? Well, I'm afraid I'm going to spend, you know, tens of thousands of dollars and I'm going to get something back that I can't sell. Okay. Well, that's, that's realistic. Right. And I kind of like sit with myself, you know, what is the work that you've done to make sure that you can sell this? And I, okay, well, you know, I've reached out to my community. I'm super close with my clientele right now on DMS, on social media. I have influencers. Their feedback is invaluable to me. Whatever they say, I implement, I change the product, I redesign it and I put it out there. And my clientele, my influencers, and the people that I'm close to on uh, social media know this. They've told me time, time again, they're like, this is so amazing. You listen to feedback. This is great. You know, so I feel like when that fear comes in, I just ask myself, what am I doing to counteract that? What am I doing so that fear doesn't become reality? And then I just kind of balance it out with, well, these are the things I'm doing. And then it makes me feel better. And then I make the decision. Okay, I think you're good to go. Let's go forward with this. Or maybe I haven't done that work. Maybe that fear is a signal for me to say, 
oh, you know what? You really lacked in your customer feedback. Let's send some surveys out. Let's really get a handle on what people are feeling before you spend tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands on this. Yeah. It sounds like you're managing your fear through preparation Yeah, and through network and listening to others, right? Which is a key part of running a business. Now, Lucia, talk to me. Where did where did that name come from? <laughs> so Lucia is a nickname of Layla's. I have nicknames for all my kids, always did. She had a million nicknames. It was like Layla Lushka, Hiker Piker, Sassy Pants. You know, I mean, I just kept adding names to her. Every time she'd come up with this personality and character, I'd throw in another nickname, you know, Sassy Pants. And then it was like Hiker Piker. And then it was like Chocolate, you know. So Lucia was a version of a couple of her nicknames, um, Lulu, Lushi, and, and Lucia, I think. And so, you know, trademarking, you want to make sure that no one has it. So you go out to the trademarking websites and you find out no one has it. So, you know, Lucia was the one that sticked and it's L-O-U-S-H-I-A. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of how we came up with the name. I know it's a little hard to remember. Some people don't know how to pronounce it. That's just what we ended up with. For our listeners, Nikki, Lucia, they have an Instagram account and a lot of different social media accounts, but I love that she is in her car, most likely watching her daughter compete or at practice. And she's in her car real time giving a video log of her brand, what she sees, asking for feedback. And there's something to that with a lot of the emergence of these large, large brands, Lululemon and Viore and Aloe. And then of course, in your sector, right? The big horse brands, right? And it's something that is so comforting your influencers coming back and saying to you, wow, this is a product where you change, you listen to your customer. And in today's world, right, it's we're surrounded by big conglomerate companies and it's it, we don't feel heard. And I think that's something so special about your brand, not only the quality but that you've implemented, but the ability to listen and interact with your customer base, I think, has been what has made you so successful amongst many other things as well. Yes. No, thank you. That's key. I mean, you know, I don't ride horses. I don't know if that's, you know... <laughs> Clearly, it's not important to have to ride horses to wear the brand, but I depend on Layla to ride in it and wear in it and compete in it. And she was a high competitor. She competed every month through the summer of the season and, you know, a quality test of the other girls wearing it and washing it. So I 100% have to depend on feedback and, and the people that are out there wearing it and riding in it. And so it's kind of more like I do not want to do mass marketing and push it out to people and tell people why they love it. I'm more of like go from the inside and say, okay, inside people, tell me what you want. I can be your brains. I can be your developer. I can be the designer. I will get it to the factory and create it. I just need to know what you guys want in the industry. What are you seeing that isn't working? That is working. If you could create the perfect breach and the perfect top, reach out to me because I am here for you because you are the ones writing it. You're the ones wearing in it. You're the ones investing in it. These things are not cheap. I mean, these are performance apparel that have got to be washed and rewinced and ridden in and competed in. I mean, Layla is 100% important piece of it, but also just being involved from the inside and getting that feedback is is just, it is a part of the brand. I think a lot of people are probably sitting here listening and asking themselves this question. Nikki, how do you balance the demands of your business with your personal life and well-being? That's a good question. Balance, I think early on, I was very regimented uh, in my younger years. Everything was tasked out for the week. I set it up, I tasked it, I put it in the calendar, and that's actually what happened that week. Um, that was I was really good at that in my younger years. Fast forward to marriage, kids, multiple businesses, 
traveling careers, all the things that kind of went away and it kind of became more reactive and responsive. And so now, and I do wonder, I think a lot of that, that practice that I did in my younger years is still within me intuitively. I think I just have a a gut, gut check for things. And so it's like, I know when, oh, you know what, it's time to spend time with my family. It's time to invest some energy into, you know, Layla and some girl time. It's time to, you know, spend time with my husband or my extended family or the business, you know? So I think it's more for me, an intuitive feel at this point, I definitely time block out the urgent and the most important things for the week, but everything else, it's just, I kind of, um, it's more of that intuitive gut check, which I think is such a big, important piece too, with running this and it's okay. Well, you know, I might be able to get this new sample started, um, but let's get that going now because the season and the spring is coming and it takes this long to sample. So I'll start that. But in the meantime, you know, while they're sewing, I'm going to go spend time with my family and my husband and, and, and spend time with them. But then on the other side, it's like, Ooh, I'm feeling pretty fatigued, pretty exhausted, pretty overwhelmed. You know, we just moved into our third house in eight months, as you know. So, you know, to say my life has been a little bit chaotic is to minimize it, moving houses, setting up painters, contractors, I kind of have to lean into myself and say intuitively, all right, I'm feeling exhausted. Let's take care of myself. Let's, you know, go sit in the hot tub. We have a hot tub. Let's go to the beach. Let's take a walk with my dogs. Let's just decompress and not do anything for this day or that day or however many days it takes to get back into that mindset that is my most valuable place to be. I kind of call it my my perfect island mindset. I know where it is, right? You're most creative. You're you're most clear-headed. You're most energy, but you're not over-energized. You're just in this calm, focused, clear-stated mind. I know that mindset. The goal is to get there all the time, every day. It's not achievable, but at least I have this intuitive and this kind of observation on myself to check in more regularly to say, hey, how are you doing? You know, it's like that person outside of you. Yeah. You need some rest. Yeah, I need some rest. Okay, so go take some rest because it's more important for me to rest today and to be well for tomorrow and to think clearly on whatever I have going on or the meeting or the project I'm working on, then to bulldoze through it and push through for the week. And then I'm off the entire next week because I'm sick or I'm not well, or I'm not feeling good because I just did way too much. So for me, it's just about checking in intuitively and kind of balancing out daily, if not multiple times a day, like, okay, where, where do I feel like I need to spend more energy with family or business or extra, or even friends or all the other things we have going on? You know, I'm supportive wife to my husband's business now. And there's a lot that goes on with that. We're going to galas, we're going to events, we're going to seminars. So, you know, I also have that world to balance too. So there's constantly this flux of chaos life going on. There's no way I could even regiment it out. If I wanted to, whatever I put on paper would never happen. That's just not how life is today. But at least I have that intuitiveness from my younger years and just also just checking in, even if I didn't have that in my younger years, just checking in multiple times a day and saying, okay, who, where do I want to be with my mindset? Am I the person I want to be? Am I in the right mindset right now to handle anything that come my way? And if the answer is yes, great, keep going. If it's not, okay, what do I need? Do I need rest? Do I need girl time? Do I need my family time? What do I need? Well, and I think that's so important to giving yourself grace, recognizing through multiple times during a day in the day, Hey, I'm feeling a little off. I think I've spent a little bit too much time here. I need to really, because as we all know, as, as human beings, we can't have it all. You can't have a successful business. You can't have a successful family. You can't have a close relationship with your spouse without a sacrifice. And so how do you do that? Right. You expend, found yourself trying to put effort into everything equally, it's it's just not possible. And so I think that's a really good lesson for, for everyone 
check in. How am I feeling? How am I feeling physically, mentally? Am I able to have the output for creativity that's so important to my business? And these are the things that I need to do to get myself back there. So I've I've been been dying. As you know, I own a business and I'm always very intrigued to uh, listen to other female business owners. So throughout the process of Lucia, I know you're dealing with a lot of different vendors and going out and learning and exploring, but have you had any, you know, gender related bias throughout, you know, your emergence with this brand? Uh, has there been anything or is it, is it really been copacetic and you've been able to, to just move on? Yeah, you know, this is a great question. What comes up kind of surprises me, but with starting Lucia and being in the fashion industry, I have not encountered, encountered any uh, women or gender biasness or, or anything. And I reflect on that and I'm like, well, is that just because I'm in the fashion industry and it's, is it more of a female dominated? I don't know. But like as part of pieces that I've come encountered with, it's been mostly women. I worked with a woman um, liaison who helped me with factories in the USA. She was a woman owned business. Uh, the client, the resellers that I'm selling wholesale now to in the USA, I've got a few of them. They're all women-owned businesses. These are tax shops in the middle of the Midwest. There's some in California, some in some, they're women-owned businesses. I love that. Yes. And so, and it was, it's really interesting. And so, and also like even in the factories, like overseas, I'm Zooming, I'm FaceTiming these people and talking about fabric and all this. They've been women. My people have been women that I've been talking to. And so all across the board, I've been working mainly with women and I've had um, no issues in this particular um, genre and place in my life journey that I'm having with that. Now, I would say back in the day in my corporate and trying to climb the ladder and working with the big six and working with big clients multiple times, I could tell you, even at 23, I remember knowing I could come to this meeting and I could manage this meeting and provide the valuable insight that people wanted. And client, the client we had at the time, I was in the big six and the client at the time even questioned my upper manager and said, hey, you're putting Nikki on this. I don't know. She's 23. You know, I'm five, nine. I'm a blonde. This is a podcast. You don't know what I look like. But at 23, they were just like, uh, I don't think she's expert enough. She can't possibly be the one. Like basically like, who are you putting on our project? Well, come to find out they put me on it. They didn't tell me this when they put me on the project, by the way, this was after the fact, put me on the project, managing, managing all these meetings with this, you know, it was a big telecommunications firm. Afterwards, after we closed the product, my upper management came to me and said, you know what? You hit the nail on the head. These guys didn't trust that what you were going to do. And they you blew it out of the park. They came and said, she was amazing. She was impressive. We didn't know what you were doing. She's this young 23-year-old something. What's going on? And she carried it and, you know, did amazing. So I was like, I, I just, and that was an example of what, which I felt happened to me all of my young career days where I would walk in and people just kind of judge me based on what I looked and based on my age. And did not think, even doing the technical demonstrations, right? Like the blonde doing the technical demo, like, oh, she can't, and then, you know, having the CEO of credit card company basically saying that was a great presentation. That was very impressive. And we're going to, we're going to sign with you. So, you know, if anything, I remember being in my twenties thinking, gosh, when am I going to age? When am I going to look older? So people actually trust that I have something to say, right? Something of importance. Now, now all I do is I look at myself in the mirror and I say, when am I going to get younger? When am I going to get younger? Why was I wishing myself so much older? You had that too. Oh gosh, I did. We we have that as a commonality. And I think it's really potentially industry specific, right? So we're both, well, yeah. you know, came up in the technology side of things. And so I, I, I definitely see it. So 
Talk to me a little bit. What specific projects or initiatives are you working on that excite you? Where where's this phenomenal brand going? Oh, so exciting. So much so much to do, so little time and I also have to remind myself that nothing is going as fast as I would love it because obviously my kids come first. Gosh, there's so much I'm thinking about. I'm getting feedback all the time about boys. There are boys out there who ride equestrian who do not have much of a choice at all. And our tops right now are unisex and boys have bought them and been wearing them and they love them. So I think what I would love to do is roll out a specific design that is only for the boys and try to get that feedback from the boy riders out there and see what it is that uh, they need and want. And also I've had so much feedback on women's line and getting some women's sizing. So I've had moms buy for their daughters and compete. And when they receive the product, they're so impressed that they themselves, they ride and compete. The mom does. And she's been spending $400 on breeches, let's say. And she's like, I'm buying Lucia. These are way better than the designer ones I've been buying. I love it. Hands down. When are you going to come up with women's sizing? You know, all of my friends would love these. So so those are two big things that are almost like have tos. Like I'm just getting feedback on that right now that that has to be my next my next place to go. And in the meantime, just adding fun colors. You know, I've been requested for white. We've got some white um, breeches in design sampling phase right now. And the jod purse for the, the really young ones. Right now, um, we're going to work on getting the jod purse out for competitions. Um, so I'm really excited about those. And then outside of that branding, like I really, I've got the photo shoot in my mind. We're going to start getting some beach lifestyle photos in there. I think I mentioned we started this brand in COVID. So I couldn't get any photos taken because no one's working during COVID, as you re- recall. So my photos were very limited. They weren't well, quite the vision. I remember yeah. you were you were talking about going to Mexico and doing a photo shoot because <laughs> yes. Mexico was open during COVID. Yes, and exactly. You were saying, I got to get this up and running. I might go to Mexico yeah. and get the horses on the beach and we'll get to, we'll right. the models down there. And Yes. Yeah, I remember that. You're in on that. I remember that. I was I was like trying everything to get these photos. Keep pushing the needle forward, right? I was like, keep it going forward as slow as it's going during COVID. Like, let's keep going. But yeah, so for photo shoots, we've got a lot of girls who surf and then they also um, ride the horses. So I want to get some photos capsulated of both the girls riding the horses and then jumping on their surfboards and getting in the ocean. I want to kind of put that into the branding somehow. So that's some exciting stuff that I have coming up. I love that. I love that. Tell me this. We're going to be wrapping up here in the next couple of minutes, but for the entrepreneurs out there who want to get started and really follow in your footsteps, were there any podcasts that you listen to or books that people could read or anything that you would recommend? I'm more of an experience-based person, but a couple books that I did read and I love that stuck with me is The Growth Mindset. I love that. I mean, that kind of just is my story right there, right? Continuing to grow. I love to learn. And then also um, Emotional IQ. There's a book on that. I don't know who the author is, but that I think is also goes into like communication and listening skills and all of that, which I think was key. And then um, obviously The Seven Habits um, is pretty big. Now podcasts, I loved. I was binge watching uh, or listening to Entrepreneurs on Fire back when I first had this idea. He's pretty popular podcaster. And I just love, he like entertain or talks to entrepreneurs and how they got from A to B, cradle to grave, kind of like how you got started, how'd you get the idea? So I love that. And then of course, uh, the product boss, there's women owned to product bosses who are out there. They're, they're really um, getting big and they help support women owned businesses with their product based businesses. I'm going to have to do that too. I'm going to have to check it out for sure. For sure. sure. (laughs) We're going to end with, I always have fun and just do rapid fire questions at you. You don't have a lot of time to think about it. It's one or two word responses, just so the audience can kind of get your mindset a little bit more. What's your favorite professional book, which we kind of already answered kind of with that. So if you had to pick. I would think the emotional intelligence. Okay. Okay. What do you do to relax? Infrared sauna, hands down. I love it. Me too. Me too. 
What's your favorite all-time movie that you could watch again and again? Yes, The Greatest Showman. Oh my God, my favorite. <laughs> I love that. Yes, favorite music. Uh, it's a kind of alternative country, pop country. Nice. Your go-to destination place. Tuscany, Italy. We spent some time there. It's beautiful. Love it. Love, love it. Love to go back. Nikki, thank you for being on today. So many wonderful takeaways. Can you share with our audience how they can reach out to you? What's the best way? Absolutely. Um, email is really good if you got direct inquiries or questions at info at lucia.com, which is L-O-U-S-H-I-A.com. We're very active on Instagram, and that is Lucia, L-O-U-S-H-I-A dot E-Q. So the at sign in front of that for Instagram and always answering my DMs, always answering my emails. And um, we also have our website out there for products. If you want to look at it, just lucia.com. So would love to connect. If anyone out there would love to reach out and give some ideas or thoughts or, you know, if you ride or just comments, would love to hear from you. Thanks again, Nikki. This has been amazing. Awesome. Thank you, Nicole. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Elevate Your Career podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on your chosen platform that you are listening to us on. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this episode with them or post it on your social media to share with your friends. You can catch the show notes for this episode and any mentioned links in the description of this episode. Irvine Technology Corporation, ITC, excels at finding top-tier tech professionals and matching them with businesses. Whether you're an employer with tech opportunities or a tech professional searching for the perfect role, ITC is your go-to solution. Visit www.irvinetechcorp.com for more information. Once again, it's www.irvinetechcorp.com. We'll see you on the next episode.